Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. As we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. I was thinking about this this week as I was praying and preparing. And the question is going to be right up on the screen. I want you to think about how you would measure whether 2023 will be a good year for you. How would you measure whether 2023 will feel like a good year, will feel like a successful year, will feel like an exciting year compared to like other things you measure? Just think about that. At the end of this year, What will have had to happen for you to feel it was a great year? For some of you, it would be to find that perfect person to marry. Anybody? Love is in the air. No? Okay, so I tried. Uh, but for some of you, it, it might feel like just stability in my finances. I think about if you're a business owner or if you're into sales, you know like this year would be a good year if we like doubled the sales, right? We just got to double those sales. That's going to be a good year. For some of you, maybe this year needs to be a year would really feel great if, you know, a broken relationship was healed or a marriage that was a kind of struggling along kind of got clarity. Maybe that's for you. Whatever comes to mind, I want to give you one other thing to add to your list, especially if you call yourself a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian and you've been a Christian, and I understand that maybe some of you are not there yet, right? If you are a Christian, one of the things that you should desire to measure is that you got closer to God at the end of this year. That you felt a deeper commitment to love God and to love His ways and to want to learn about Him in a way that you didn't at the beginning of this year. And if you don't have that and if you don't desire that, maybe it means that the way you and I measure our lives are, are the same way that the people in the world measure their lives. Because I know a lot of people who hope they make more money this year. I know a lot of people who hope they buy a bigger house this year. I know a lot of people who just hope that they're less, you know, stressed this year. All those things, by the way, can be good things. But I think to understand what Jesus was doing when he was teaching people, is he was saying to them, God didn't just send me, I'm not just here to help you have like a more comfortable life. I didn't just come so you can have a better year with some resolutions. I didn't come that I didn't just come here so you can have more friends than you had last year. Trust me, Jesus didn't die on a cross to help you have, find more friends. But I hope you find more friends. And I think we need to understand that when we're learning about Jesus, is he, he, he kind of gives us this picture of some good things that we want to experience, but then he calls us to a deeper place. And last week, we started a series about this. We actually started a series about what it means that our lives in the midst of a new year would be, would be built on the teachings of Jesus with like new commitment, a new focus. We just sang about it, that we would build our lives on what Jesus is calling us to. And maybe for you, that's a new idea. Maybe you're still like, I'm not really sure what that means or how to do that. And we're so happy that you're here because we want to we help you with that. 
Some of that has to do with maybe being in a Bible study or just starting kind of to grow in your way. So everybody's doing that in a different way. But as we do that this year, I want to just encourage you to think about that as God calls us to this new place, He invites us to pay attention to His way of life in a world that I promise you will rarely talk about Jesus or God. That won't be a priority. You and I will have to make that a priority for our lives and for our kids. And last week, if you were here, you know that I just gently, some of you stayed home, I know, you don't want this, but if you watched online, you know I gave you just like a little bit of homework. Just a tiny little thing I asked you to do. And some of you I know are like, nobody tells me what to do. I'm free. Whatever. That's fine. So you didn't do it. But if you kind of sometimes do things that people tell you, I asked you to read three chapters of an important sermon that Jesus preached called the Sermon on the Mount. And some of you, I'm so proud of you, you know, you were chatting with me and I know you, you read it or you tried to listen to it when you were in the car or you were working out. You're like, I tried to listen to this. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew's Gospel three chapters, and we basically have kind of a long extended sermon that Jesus preaches. And I wanted you to just begin there because in that sermon, it's very practical. They're like teachings that Jesus gives people that are very, very practical. I mean, they go deeper, but they're practical. It's a good start. And we can ask ourselves, God, I want some of these things to kind of be stirred in me this year. I want to become this kind of person, and I can never become this kind of person that Jesus talks about on my own. Following Jesus is not just having like more willpower. It's about a life of surrender so that the ways of Jesus are are formed in us. We almost have to surrender ourselves to his ways. And that's hard, right? It's different than just working harder. If you did that little bit of homework, if you read through those chapters, at the end of chapter 7, you would have met two unique types of people. Jesus tells us at the end of the sermon, some of you are like, I don't remember reading that. Maybe because you fell asleep near the end of reading it. Right? But if you read those three chapters, just near the end of that section, you would have met two people that Jesus introduces us to. So I'm going to read it for you on the screen. And you see if you notice those two people, and Jesus will help us think about where we fit in this. Remember, this is the end of the sermon. Three chapters. Chapter 7. It says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise person who built his house on the rock. And he goes on and he talks about a storm goes on, you can read that. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish person who built his, their, their house, on the sand. When you read this, you're like, Jesus has a lot of guts. I mean, I don't know. I know people, if I told them that they would be foolish, they would get offended right away. You know any people get offended right away? Some of you are married to them? You say one thing, you're like, oh my goodness, it's on. It's like, relax, okay. Like Jesus is telling people, after he's talked, he's like, listen, it's going to be very, very easy. At the end of this year, you can decide now whether you could look at your life and decide, I was foolish this year. Or you could decide, I was wise this year. I really cared to not only hear about Jesus, to not only learn about Jesus, but to understand that his way of life is a life I need to put into practice. Jesus had the same problem we have today. In a world full of information, there's people who can listen to so many things and do nothing. I know this. I I feel the temptation in my own life. At the beginning of the year, I think, I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. And then uh, it snows. I'm like, I'm not doing that. It's too cold. Like, I'm so excited. I'm going to learn this. You ever do that? Like, one year, I remember, I'm like, I'm going to learn how to play piano. I I did that. I played piano a little bit when I was younger because I studied music. I vanye, vanye peeps. 
what's up? Okay, Vangie, I went to Vangie, studied music, and I'm like, I'm gonna, it's all, you start looking for piano, then you see the price of keyboard, then I'm gonna watch a guy on YouTube who plays piano, then I'm gonna write piano, and then I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I mean, this is the world we live in. We are bombarded with all kinds of things, so much so that we actually think we're making a difference when we're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. But it felt like it, because I posted and I shared and I text. I felt. Jesus is like, you know how dangerous it is to think that you can hear my teachings and not put them into practice? It would be better if you never heard me teach at all. But if you've heard my teaching now, and you've understood that I'm calling you to a different kind of life, then decide if you will be a wise person or if you will be a foolish person. And Jesus does this. He talks about a wise person and a foolish person. Right? He lets people almost kind of work it out a little bit. He does this by also talking about the storms of life. If you read it, you know this. That as storms come, storms reveal what's really there. The same way like a house, if it's not built right, looks great when you buy it until there's a storm. I think of one of the homes that we bought. Uh, we were really, really lucky that we visited the home just before we bought it during a rainstorm. It was perfect. Because it looked great, we loved it, tell me, you know when you buy something, you're excited, you tell everybody, and we went there and there was a water issue at the house because it was raining, and I was like, I was talking to a friend, and we're like, I didn't want to do this, but it's kind of good that we came in a storm, because it revealed some things, it revealed some things we wouldn't have seen. Let me just tell you, if you want to know this, 2023 is going to bring you some storms. I'm not a psychic, I don't predict things, it's just life. Storms are going to come. And you can be a person that says, oh, you know what? It means God's not real. Or it means I haven't done... Or you could be like, no, wait, wait a second. Jesus talked about those who prepare even before the storms come. They're people who are being formed in my way of life even before we have to deal with those things. Will you be a wise person or a foolish person? This is for all of us to learn. All of us to think about. Now also, if you read this, if you haven't read 5 to 7, I'm going to encourage you, you can read it again. Matthew chapter 5 to 7. Jesus frames all of these teachings by using a very important phrase. And the phrase is the kingdom of God. He's not saying, you know, follow these things so that you could be a better person. He's not saying follow these things so that if you do these things, God's going to love you more. He's not saying do these things and if you do these things, you're going to be rich. He's not saying that. He's saying people who start to live this kind of life are people who are living with a perspective that now they are part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, for many people, and I think this was my problem when I was young, whenever I heard the kingdom of God, whenever I heard the word kingdom, at least, or kingdom of heaven, I always thought this is where you go when you die. It's a place we're just waiting to, oh, I just can't wait to go to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's a very, very common idea. So nobody's really ready for Jesus to say, no, no, the kingdom of God is already at work now in your lives as you listen to me now. Nobody's really ready as Jesus starts to say, he says this profound thing. He says, the kingdom of God is now here. You're like, wait a second. How could it be now here? We're not dead yet. So he, he's trying to teach people that to follow God is not just something you cross your fingers for, for when you die. Most people learn about God that way. I learned about God that way. I'm like, I better get right with God because if I get sick and I die, don't want to go where it's hot. You know what I'm saying? That's how many people learn about heaven, God, I got to do good things, why don't you die? Jesus is like, no, 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 this is so much more beautiful than that. Jesus actually wants to substitute our world filled with fear about where you're going to go when you die with a sense of faith and hope and promises that God's ways are at work even now 
in our midst. So build your life on my teachings, Jesus says, and you will experience what it's like to be part of this new kingdom, this new way of life, this new, the reign of God. One of the images that might help you, it helped me, is like think about if there was a, a lake, a calm lake here, and you took a rock and you dropped it. You would start to see the ripple effect of all the water, right? The kingdom of God is like that. That Jesus coming, dying, and resurrecting is the ripple effect of his kingdom now unfolding in the world. And we get to be part of that. If you are wise, you will desire more of the things of the kingdom of God this year. If you want an indicator for whether you are growing in wisdom, ask yourself at the end of every week, as you pray, this week did I want more of the things of God? Or did I go back to the things of God when I was stressed and nervous? Or did I develop a sense of saying, Jesus, I want to learn to pray and to grow and to understand that your ways are different than all the ways I see around in the world. They're very, very different. They're not things that are going to make storms not happen. They're ways that prepare us to be different kinds of people in storms when they happen. And last week, I gave you kind of one image. I'm going to give you a new image this week. Last week, I gave you an image. If you watched online or if you were here, you remember. I gave you the image that the Bible gives us that, that's used of Jesus is that he's a cornerstone. He, when you're building a building, he, he's like the first stone that gets placed. If you missed that, you can go online and you can watch it. But this week, I want to tell you about another image. And that's the image of an anchor. The image of an anchor is this other image that the Bible uses to help us understand what it means that our lives are built on Jesus. I have this picture for you. Maybe some of you have seen it if you've ever learned about Christianity in depth or if you've been in one of our Bible studies. I probably used this. This is one of the oldest images we have of early Christian tombs when people died and they were Christians. This is the kind of images they left on their tombs. It's actually a profound image of an anchor with fish connected to it. And if you know a little bit of the Bible, you would know why, right? One is because many of the people Jesus will invite to follow him are fishermen, right? They know about fishing. And two, he will say to them, when you follow me, you will experience what it's like to be fisher of men or of other people. You are gonna, you're going to be used in ways that you never imagined. When you start to see what this kingdom is about, you're going to understand that I'm calling you to be anchored in a new way to a new way of life. Now, if you asked anybody today, and you ask them, what is a symbol that represents Christianity? How many of you agree people would say a cross, right? Tattoo of a cross, necklace of a cross, hugs with a cross. I don't know. Just, that didn't work. The last part didn't work. <laughs> but the truth is, Christians actually tried to not use the image of a cross for many years early on. They didn't because they knew that if they were going to tell people about Jesus and they were going to invite people to follow Jesus, them too early understanding that he was crucified as a criminal wouldn't have, been, it wouldn't have sealed the deal. So actually what we have is we have anchors, images of anchors, and sometimes you'll see a little line there. So it's like an anchor that looks like a what? A cross. It's like kind of, we're going to get to the cross part, but let's start with the anchor part. I don't know what you think about when you think about being anchored to Jesus, but for many of us, I think it means to be anchored in the midst of a storm. And that's really, really great. That's a beautiful image of what it means that we can be anchored in the promises of God, the peace of God, the goodness of God, even when we face storms. I would say that if that's the image you have of an anchor, I would say that tends to be more of a traditional image of an anchor. It's very, very kind of common. I've never met anybody in my whole life, even if they're not a Christian, who didn't say, you know, when a storm comes in life, I want to be anchored to something solid. I've never met anybody. Nobody says, I hope my life falls apart this year. Amen. Let's do that. Nobody says that. But I want to just help you understand that the image of the anchor 
when Jesus uses it, is not just that we would be people who wait and feel safe when the world around us is falling apart. That's a very, very common image for people. The anchor in the Bible was always connected to being fisher of men, to being people who go where Jesus goes, to trust Jesus when he goes into places that you're like, I would never go there, Jesus. If I were you, I wouldn't go there. Do you know how many times the disciples probably looked at Jesus with the eyes? Which, you know what I mean by the eyes? They're the eyes that you give to people when you're like, you shouldn't go there. Because the disciples are following Jesus, and one day Jesus is like, hey, those tax collectors, let's go eat with them. And the guys are like, Jesus, that's not a good, no, don't do that. Or there's a storm coming, and Jesus is like, okay, let's go there. I'm going to show you God's, but they're like, that's not a good thing. Let's not go there. There's a constant awareness that those who build their life on Jesus are not just safe from the storms. They're those who trust God when God says it's time to walk into that storm. It's such a different picture because so many people learn about God and they become lazy. By lazy, I mean they become Christians so they have less problems. You know, I spent 10 years as a youth pastor, meaning working with youth. And so many times I met so many parents who are like, you know why I bring my kids to the church? So they don't cause problems, so that the world doesn't get them. I'm like, what are you going to do when they grow up and then they go in the world? It was so crazy to me that the image of church was we go to church so we're safe from everybody out there. Instead of saying, no, the church is the place where we learn to love Jesus more because he's sending us out there. It, they were like, whoa, wait a second, I'm not going to like this church. Got to go. Do, 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 do. Fine, you can go. Nobody cares. At least I didn't care. You can care. But if you're looking for a place to just have a safe life, to be anchored to a safe God, so that things are not inconvenient for you in 2023, you're going to hate Jesus. You're going to hate this church. Because those who were anchored to Jesus knew what it's like to have Jesus in a storm, but they knew that following Jesus even for one hour was like, this guy is going to ruin everything. Oh, my goodness. What did he do now? He's touching a person with leprosy now? That's what he did now? I'm like, yeah, I think that's what he just did. I don't know what's going on. One of you tell him you're not supposed to touch people with leprosy. I'm like, okay, give him the eyes to look at him. He's not looking at us. He's doing mud, touching eyes. I don't even know. Whose idea was to follow this guy? See how crazy it is? Wouldn't it be nice if we had a nice church anchor in the storm, safe? Who wants that? That's not what we're about. I think of a great theologian. He's a great thinker. Some of you maybe heard me talk about him. This is what he says. He talks about a ship that's anchored. He says this, If the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it in the port forever. Right? When you see a ship, wouldn't it be crazy if you saw a ship and you're like, it's beautiful. Every day you come back, it's always there. Somebody would ask, when is the ship going to kind of do its thing? It doesn't. It just stays here and take pictures for Instagram. That's what we do. That's how most people think of their lives. Most people think that this is what we're about. We want to be anchored to God and be safe and hope everybody in the world, some of them might get it, but some of them are going to die. Too bad. And Jesus like, what? So I want to just help us to see how Jesus is going to push his fall, push us this morning to see being anchored to Jesus as both something that is a sense of stability, but it's also a sense of like, you better buckle up now. Because I'm going to show you what it's like to get on the sea, to go into places where there's storms, to trust me where you would not go on your own. And I'm going to show you by the end in just a few minutes that some of the most important storms in your life and in my life are God putting us into positions we would never go on our own. Remember that. You know how every time I think about that in my life, I think about this church. I would have never planted this church if it was just up to me. All the difficult things that God is calling you into, you will likely not step into on your own. 
Because you're going to feel like it's going to be a lot. It's going to, I'm, I don't know, I'm tired. So Jesus is like, you're not, huh? And you want to follow me. And you want to build your life on my teachings. Yeah, okay, well, let's see now. And he does certain things. So 2023, I pray, is a year where we feel Jesus saying, hey, I'm just now pushing you now. I'm, I'm about to stretch you now. I'm about to move you into a place that you would not go on your own now. Have you built your life on my teachings and are you going to trust me now? Are you anchored to me now as we do this? In Mark's gospel, not Matthew's gospel, but in Mark's gospel, Jesus is going to spend the whole day teaching. And if you have your Bible, you can open it up. But if you read Mark's gospel, sometimes if you're reading the Bible, we can forget that the Bible is written not always in one in chronological order, but also sometimes we have big chunks of things that happen all in one day. So what we would read in two minutes took a whole day to happen, right? So it's good when you're reading your Bible to just pay attention to that. And in Mark's gospel, there's this section where it tells us that Jesus, at the beginning of a day, he's going to start teaching people. And this is what we're told. We're told about like the people love this. They they love Jesus. They're they're listening to him. It's amazing. This is what it says. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around them was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. Do you know how many people have to be there for Jesus to be like, too many people. Got to get out on the water. So he taught them many things by parables. So just think about this moment. That Jesus is teaching in such a way that people are like, we need to go wherever this guy is talking. There's something I think about Jesus that he was able to remind people that as far as they might have felt from God, that he was still calling them closer. That they would have heard something about his teaching that would have been like, wait a second, are you telling us that God loves us? Like, yeah, come, come now, listen. And remember, what's he teaching about most likely? Remember the kingdom of? The kingdom of God. He's starting to teach about this and he's using parables and he's telling people that as you say yes to God and as you listen to me, you too can be part of the kingdom of God. You too can begin to sense what it's like to understand God's love and to build your life on God's love. You can have that. Do you want that? And the people just kept coming. I think about if you're a pastor and that happens, you're like every week, you're like, more people are here. What's happening? This is amazing. And the disciples are like, guys, it's too dangerous for Jesus. I don't know if they do like the security check. You're like, too many people close to Jesus, get them on the boat, let's get in the water. And likely, they put Jesus in a boat in the middle of the lake, not too far, no microphones. Well, they don't have microphones, so Jesus has to be close enough to, to teach. And they drop the what? Anchor. They drop the anchor. We don't know if it's windy, we don't know if the boat's moving. Jesus is probably great at keeping his balance as he teaches, I don't know. I don't know what comes to mind, and he teaches. And he shares parables. Parables, this amazing teaching, and the people are like, oh, I've got to remember that. And one of the most beautiful things about the way Jesus would teach is that oftentimes parables were one of his favorite ways to teach. They were short stories with a twist at the end because, one, they were easy to memorize. They were easy to repeat. They were easy to tell other people. And they were easy to, to kind of draw people in, to be like, that wasn't that simple. Like, I have a question. Like, where's Jesus going to be tomorrow? I've got I to follow him. I have to ask him about this parable. And he starts doing that. And can I just remind us today that so many people are dying to understand that Jesus in our world? For so many people, the church and God and the Bible are are skewed by so many painful things they've experienced. And so we get a chance to help them to see that Jesus was doing something beautiful, something exciting, something that called people closer, that they would hear God's love and they would understand God in a new way. And then Jesus shares a parable in this section. Remember, it's the whole day. Jesus is going, is going. And if you read it, if you, if you do this later, you'll see it. As I read the Bible sometimes, as I'm reading through this, I often write notes in my, in my Bible, and I write, I wonder if they're tired yet. You ever have a long day at work? 
And you're like, oh, I got to stay one more hour. You look outside, you're like, I got to get home traffic, you know. And, and you, we, we read in the Bible, it's like it's, the day is starting to go now. You know, it's starting to get long. I know this when I'm teaching, that after about 25 minutes or 30 minutes, all of you start to shut down. You're either getting hungry, you're like, I got to get my phone because I'm getting a rash. Some of you have that problem. Right? I like my car, my kids, you know, I like the church. Pastor Dom's nice, but I got to go, you know, whatever. That's some of you. So Jesus is just going. Imagine I'm like, today, we're going all day, gang. Too bad. Did you bring a lunch? Too bad. You read this, you're like, Mark's like, he just kept going and going and going and parables. And at one point, he tells like a great parable. Let me read it to you. Imagine hearing this parable, Jesus says. It's pretty profound. And he said this, what shall I say the kingdom of God is like? It's so great. Okay, so it's, it's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds come perch in its shade. Wow. If you're trying to teach people about the kingdom of God, you tell them this parable, you're like, oh boy. I mean, I got some questions. How many of you have ever heard this, the parable of the mustard seed? How many of you know like the simple way to understand this, right? Even God can take what? A little thing? And he can what? Multiply it into something bigger. That's going to sell on Twitter. You post that, people are like, I'm in, God bless, hashtag amazing. But, But the parable has nothing to do with that at all. It sells great in like consumeristic culture. Prosperity. You bring God one little give and multiplies it. It's amazing. And, and in some ways, I'm, I'm being, there's a little bit of truth to that. But everybody that's listening to Jesus knows that this parable causes a really big problem if you're a farmer or work on the land. Because nobody who works on the land wants any type of mustard seed tree on their land. They don't want that because they hate what? Birds. And Jesus is like, the kingdom of God is so great. It's mustard. Right away, mustard seed, you would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa did, he, did he say mustard seed? Let's go on to mustard that, We don't want that. We don't want that, Jesus. We don't want mustard seed. And it begins to grow. And it grows bigger and bigger. It's so big that now other, other uh, you know, birds come and they sit under its shade. And what Jesus is saying is, for those of you who build your life on my teachings, you will have to be ready for when I put you in inconvenient situations when I begin to draw people to myself that you do not like. How many people do you think in that crowd? I'm like, time to go, it's getting late, I'm getting tired. This guy, I'm done with this guy. I would be. The kingdom of God is like, what? Jesus is like, the kingdom of God is beautiful, it grows. There's blessings that come with it. But it comes with a type of inconvenience to you. It'll start to rub you the wrong way when you see me encourage you to make room for those that you'd rather just keep away. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed as it grows. Anyone who knows the birds come, we don't like birds. We don't want birds here. We don't want, we don't want the people that we've decided don't belong here. We don't want people that don't look like us. They don't worship us. We don't like them. Jesus is like the kingdom of God. It's going to be like this. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when your life is anchored in the ways of Jesus? And he starts to do that to you and to me this year. This is a great prayer to pray at the beginning of 2023. A great prayer to say, God, make me the kind of person, make us the kind of family, make us the kind of church that makes room for us to see how you draw people in, that we would not naturally think that they belong here, but you're, telling, they, you're, you're helping them understand your love and they're coming. The kingdom of God is like this. Do you still want to be anchored to Jesus? Remember, Jesus has been teaching for how long? Just the morning? Just the afternoon? The end. And if you're reading the Bible, it tells us this is what it tells us happens next. It's like the end of the day now. 
And I'm like, I'm done. And it's almost like Jesus wants to see if his disciples are ready to practice what the parable says. Because this is what we're told. The day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowds behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. And a furious squall or storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Can you imagine being exhausted? A whole day of teaching, parables with Jesus. It's the end of the day. And you get into this boat, you're like, we have so many questions for you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, you're like, what are those clouds there? What, what, this, this is not what we expected. Now, you might want to write this down and remember that at least four of the disciples of Jesus, the earliest followers of Jesus, are fishermen. They know what it's like to be on the water. They know what it's like to spot a storm. They know what it's like to navigate a storm. They know what it's like to do all of this. You know who doesn't know anything about navigating storms? Jesus. You know why? Because he's a carpenter. Now, I know in your head, you're like, hey, Jesus is God. He knows everything. Now, we in, his, in his human self, he's not like magically like orchestrating things. He's trusting God. He's a carpenter. And his disciples are like, this is a crazy storm here. And we're told in the story that they're about to feel what it's like to be uncomfortable in the place they should be most comfortable. I think this is one of the most important lessons I've had to learn in my life. That God stretches us the most in places where we think we have the most control. That God draws us into certain storms that we feel like, I know, I got this. I know how to do this. And then something happens that you realize that your training is not good enough for the storms that are coming your way. Your skills will not be good enough for the kind of storms that you will have to face. But don't worry because your life is anchored in Jesus. Don't worry. That this is one of the things that they're going to have to learn now. And what's profound about this story is that growing up, I don't know if this has happened to you, I've read this story so many times. I've studied it, I've preached about it. And you know my favorite part of the story is what happens next. All of you know this. Or even, even if you're not a Christian and if you've never read the Bible, you kind of know this. You're like, is Jesus going to let everybody die? Does Jesus die at the beginning of Mark's gospel? You know when you watch a movie and you're like the hero at the beginning, like he's not going to die, he's got to be there at the last episode. Best part, this is what happens. Jesus was in the stem, sleeping on a cushion. You imagine, it's wild. <laughs> the disciples woke him up and said, it's almost like Jesus like, aren't you guys the fishermen? Like, what's going on? How come you don't know what's going on here? The disciples woke him up and said, teacher, do you not care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm, and you can read it. Jesus talks to them a bit more, and he's like, what about your faith? Growing up in my life, you know, most people, when you learn this story, this is where you stop. And you pray and you all go home. There's only one problem. This is not how the story ends. You know why we do that when we read the story? Because if you read your Bible, this is where the chapter ends. If you have a Bible, one of the things I want to tell you is that a great practice this year when you're reading your Bible is to remember that the numbers and the chapters that make up your Bible were added later to help us read our Bible. That in some of the earliest manuscripts that we have, this story would just go on to when they do what? They get off the boat. That's when the story should really end, right? And that's the, one of the most important things that for years, I think in my own life, I never understood about the story. Because I always learned about the story about, I want to believe in a God that makes things calm in the middle of a storm. How many people want that? I want a God who gives me peace in the storm, and I want that, and I'll pray for that. But the point of the story, remember, is connected to parables that Jesus has taught. And one of the most important things I want you to remember is where the boat stops when the storm is all over. 
When the storm is all over, the boat is now at a place that disciples would likely not have gone on their own. It's now in a location that many people would have avoided like the plague to ever visit. It's a place that people are like, it's dangerous if you go there. And it's almost like the storm has stopped and now they're at this location. And this is what they find still at the end of the day, after the parables, after the storm, when it's time to get off the boat. This is it. They went across the lake to the region of the Garcenarine, and it's called the Decapolis. You can go to the slide. Last slide there, you'll see it. Last one, one more. There you go. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man got out of the boat. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. He tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. This is where this section of the story ends. And I think all of us are so used to saying, we like the story if it just ended at where Jesus calms the storm. We want Jesus who just calms the storms of our lives, makes us sure that everything is peaceful, helps us when we're having overwhelmed life. We read all, you know, all that stuff. And I grew up learning that, and that's true and beautiful. Jesus calms our storms. But let me just tell you what's even more important. That this storm that Jesus calms is just a delay for the purposes that Jesus is about to invite them into. Because they're about to learn what it's like that Jesus' kingdom is for those who are far off that nobody will go to. Jesus' kingdom is about going to touch people that everybody is afraid of. And can you imagine the disciples getting there? We don't know if the sun is coming up, if they realize, okay, guys, we shouldn't get out of the boat at this section. Jesus, let's not get out of the boat here. It's dangerous around here. To see a man who lives in the caves that most people are like, don't even go near there. Jesus is like, this is exactly where we're going to go. So many of us have learned to want a Jesus that gives us peace in the storm, but not a Jesus that moves us to subdue people who are in pain and suffering and struggling. So many of us want Jesus to give us a sense of peace in our lives, for our family, just a sense. And Jesus is calling us to a deeper purpose. You need to write this down this year. I need you to understand that as a pastor, one of the things I'm praying for this year is that God sends us more storms. We need more storms that move us away from just wanting a God of peace and wanting a God who gives us a clear purpose for our life. In Christianity, you never get peace without purpose. When you think you can have peace without the purposes of the kingdom of God, all you want is a God that you can use when you're having a bad day. That is not Jesus of Nazareth. That is not. So if you're praying just for peace, without a sense of new purpose, stop praying. This is the year that Jesus says, you want to build your life on my teaching? You want to be anchored in this? It's going to be great. You're going to love it. You're going to love it when you thought, I get these teachings, I went to the Bible study, I circled the world kingdom of God, but no, no, not the inconvenient people. Those people, I'll stay away from them. That God is inviting us to be those who long for a sense of peace, but that that peace is connected to a purpose of seeing others find who the real Jesus is. Will you this year build your life on that Jesus? Will you? Because everybody reading this story knows that they went from learning all day, the middle of a storm, and now this? Jesus is like, yes, now this. What are you going to do now? Just like those disciples, there's going to be times in your life and in my life where you won't know what to do. You won't be sure about what the next step looks like. Maybe you've had a difficult marriage or a difficult situation at work and you're like, God, I'm praying and I, I don't know what the next step is. That's very normal. But can I encourage you this year 
Can we together commit to believe and to pray that when we see a storm coming, that we start seeing the storm as such a way to say, Jesus, maybe this storm is a way for you to position me in places I would not go if I did not trust you. That you've moved me into a place where I would avoid like the plague if I could. Okay, it's maybe too early for that, but I would avoid like in a really bad way. But Jesus is going to stir you to step out in faith in new ways. This year, the most important places that God is calling you and me to, we would not go on our own. We will almost avoid them because they will cause sacrifice, learning, stretching, risk, faith, all of those things. All for those who've anchored their lives in Jesus. That's the Jesus we get in the Bible. So I want to encourage you, the band's going to come up. We're just going to finish just with a song. I'm going to invite them to do that last song again. What does it mean to build our life on Jesus? And I'm going to invite some of you maybe who can feel inside that you're just tired of playing going to church. You're just tired of just, you know, I come to church and I have my friends and and you've missed the whole picture. Would you just have the courage to pray for a storm in your life? The kind of storm that will let you see what it's like that you're anchored to Jesus. The kind of storm that God gets us through so that we can see our purpose in a clearer way. Because that's what Jesus is going to bring to us this year. I'm praying that for my life. I'm praying that for our church. I'm praying that for our elders. Because if that doesn't happen, Jesus becomes just a friendly person with some tips for you to have good New Year's resolutions. He's not the Jesus of the Bible. And he's definitely not the Jesus of the cross and the resurrection. We are the ones that have decided that 2023, we will anchor our lives to Jesus. And we will go wherever Jesus goes. Somebody's here. Somebody's here. That's what we're going to do. It won't be storms every day. But when they come, we will be like, woo, when we get to the shore. I can't wait. What's there? It's going to be wild when we get to the shore. I just want a piece in the storm and, you know, a little verse. It's going to be nice. Amen. Nobody who followed Jesus got that. So how did we make Jesus that? How do we make Jesus this magical peace in your heart, God? How? Think about it. We will have no excuse. When Jesus said, I had this different way of life for you. One that gave you peace with a very clear purpose of what that peace was for. Are you going to anchor your life to me? That's what Jesus is inviting us into. Let's sing the song before we close. Worthy of every song you could ever sing Worthy of all the praise you could ever bring Worthy of every breath you could ever bring We live for you
past week I uh, this past week I had an opportunity to uh, to be on the campus of McGill and there was a student body of students who were having conversations about Christianity and culture and they invited me if I'd go and talk a little bit about the Bible about how the Bible came together how we have the books of the Bible some of you know that's kind of my studies are in that area and I just have a picture of just a slide I was with these students about 25, 30 students on the campus and some of them Christian some of them not some of them other religions maybe and at the end of the time one, a few of the students came down but one student in particular came down and they seemed like overwhelmed and they said to me like I'm on the university campus and I feel very confused like how come some of the things you talked about tonight like I've never learned in church and it kind of broke my heart I didn't ask about what church they went to. I didn't, I didn't care. Blaming something in the past is not going to matter. But in that moment, I said, God, the next generation, many of us are going to face storms we have no idea. Challenges to our faith, challenges to what we believe, struggles with our kids, struggles with our health. Would you help us to be those who take seriously what it means to have a real faith with our kids? have hard conversations, work out complexities, learn so that when they're interacting with those who don't believe, they don't feel like their faith is just falling apart. Twenty twenty-three, we get a chance to say we decided we would build our life on the teachings of Jesus. Sometimes that was easy. Sometimes we were in a storm but he led us to places we would not have gone on our own. And there we sensed his peace and his purpose. After that night, you know, as I was coming home, I just prayed. I'm like, God, help us to be the kind of church that allows you to stir in us difficult conversations, learning, dialogue, so that those who don't believe would come and feel that it's safe here to talk about their questions, to talk about some struggles, to ask new questions about what we believe and what does it mean to follow Jesus? How did a guy in a manger get on a cross? How does that all work? That's a great question. But we have to be willing to be anchored to Jesus and to go where he will lead us. A coffee with a coworker, a difficult dialogue with a son or daughter, an openness to say, like, I don't know, I'm just learning. I signed up for a Bible study. Can you imagine? I'm learning in a new way this year. Would we commit to do that together? And I promise you, Jesus will take us to the storm, through the storm, and peace and his purposes will become more clear as we go. Because that's the Jesus we serve. Let's pray before we close. Father, you are so good to us. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your word and how it draws us back to the deepest things that Jesus has always called us to. A life anchored in his ways. A life fully dependent on the power of the Spirit. A people who would go wherever Jesus calls us to go. We thank you for the ways that you will stir us this year. We thank you for things that you will place in our way, challenges that will help us to understand your peace and your purposes better. We are grateful for the gift of this community, this family. And we pray for the responsibility that we have to create a space for the next generation, places where we can talk and learn and grow 
and admit that we depend on you. Jesus, for those who are here or maybe not sure how to anchor their lives in you, would you begin to stir in them a new way? And would you use us to walk with people no matter where they are? Because Jesus, you did that with your earliest disciples. So please do it again now in our midst. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, we love you. I'm really proud of all of you. Thank you for being here. Just commit to being here every week. We'll see you next week. If you want to talk to someone or pray, we have some wonderful leaders in our prayer space. Grab your kids and hug them. And we'll see you next week, everyone. God bless you.